This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Are you ready for the word this morning? I've got a message that I hope that you grab a hold of and you apply it to your life because this, this message will make a huge difference if you grab a hold of it. Let's pray and we'll go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, for who you are and all that you've done. Father, we pray for your spirit to be upon each of us, those watching online at Preston's and in the room. Father, may you speak to us, give us ears that are open, hearts that are open to hear from you. And Father, anoint me through this task to preach your word. Give me all that I need. Help me to remember what I prepared and communicate it clearly. Father, have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I wonder if you've ever thought this. Have you ever thought of a better way of living? Have you ever thought of a better way of living? My wife and I have been married for um, 16 years, and I'm a full-time pastor here at LifeGate, and my wife is a part-time teacher. And she started out a couple of days a week, and it's grown. Now she's doing four days a week, which is a stretch. Um, And so during the school holidays... Michelle and I get on like a house on fire. It's great, um, as in a house on fire in a positive way, um, <laughs> as if you wanted your house removed. You know what I mean? We, we, we get on great. We have time for each other. Um, we have lots of good conversation. We spend time. So retirement looks really, really good, yeah? But once we hit week five of school term, week six, week seven, um, things aren't like they are in the holidays. We have less time for each other. Um, we uh, we uh, don't fulfill each other's expectations. We uh, let each other down, and it's uh, not as good as we would hope it to be. Hence, we are looking for a better way of living, yeah? Week seven of term, we're looking towards the school holidays again. And the reality is I think we all do that. We all have times in our lives where we go, you know what, I want to... I wish things were different. It could be in a relationship, dating relationship, engagement, marriage relationship. I just wish for a better way. You could be a uni student and you're in the exam time and you're studying for the exams. You've got all this stuff coming in and these exams coming up and you just feel so overwhelmed and you go, I wish, I wish there was a better way of living. Or maybe you've got sickness or pain in your body and that's been going on for some time and again, you were hoping, you're believing for a better way of living. Maybe you're struggling with depression or anxiety. Maybe there's a financial struggle. Whatever it is, we all go through seasons of life where things are tough. And it's in those moments we hope for a better way of living. You know, the Israelites, I believe, during those 40 years in the desert were hoping for a better way of living. Imagine living in a desert for 40 years. Imagine the sand everywhere. You'd, 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 you'd get food and you'd eat it and there'd be sand in your food. There'd be sand in your undies. And then go to the beach. They didn't have undies, but ever, ever go to the beach and do body surf and then you'd take your tods off. Too much information? Too much information. Full, full, full of sand, yeah? But then they had nowhere to settle down, nowhere to put their roots down, nowhere to, bring, to raise their kids up because whenever God told them to move, they moved to a new place in the desert and they'd set up their tents and they'd do life for a bit there and then God would tell them to move and they'd move again. And they couldn't plant crops they couldn't do the stuff that you, that, that, that you would do if you were in the promised land because they were transient people moving from place to place for 40 years. Imagine the heat during the daytime and then the cold at night. It would have been a really, really difficult space for them. Difficult time. And then the food. 
I mean, God supplied it. Praise God for the chicken, the quail, from the quails that landed every day and the, and, and, the, and the bread from heaven. But it was the same food for 40 days. I reckon they were, what did I say? Days. Thank you. 40 years. 40 days of the same food. That would suck. Imagine 40 years of the same food. That would absolutely suck. I reckon those Israelites were looking for a better way of living. We've been looking at the book of Deuteronomy, and in the book of Deuteronomy, we have God's people have come out of Egypt, and because they disobeyed God and didn't go into the promised land when they sent out the spies, they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And during this time, God has said to them, the reason you're there is because you disobeyed me, but I'm also going to teach you some things in this season in the desert. But he also says to them that they have something to look forward to. God says there is a better way of living for them. I want to take you back to a passage that we've uh, looked at once before in this Deuteronomy series because it just um, summarizes it so beautifully and says it so clearly. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to take you to nine verses of Deuteronomy chapter 8 to talk about what it was to, live, to, to look like in, the, to, in what it was for them to, to live in these 40 years in the desert. But then there's this hope, there's this vision of the future of this promised land that is before them. So this is Moses writing to the people of Israel, speaking to them, and he says this, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years, so that they're at the end of the 40-year period, they're about to go into the land. Why did he do that? To humble and to test you, in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. Verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna or bread from heaven, and neither you, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's an incredible scripture, that one. Verse 4, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. There's a picture of what we see of what happened in the land. God fed them. They wandered. Praise God, their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't swell up. But they're in this desert for 40 years, and God used that time as a time of testing, a time of discipline to get the people ready so that when they crossed the land, they would obey him and follow him. But then, in contrast to that, look at what God says that is, that is ahead of them. God gives them a vision for the future. He says this, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Now compare this, right? Same food every day. A land with brooks and the water from rocks and trying to find water. Brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. Water everywhere compared to being in the desert. A land with wheat and barley, so they can make their own bread, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. Now, remember that the generation had died out, anyone over the age of 20. So some of the people in their early, who were under that age of 20, who didn't go into the land, were still alive at the time. And maybe they had some memories of olive oil, some memories of fig trees in Egypt. Maybe these things were all new to them, yeah? New to most of the people. And no doubt Moses and Joshua and Caleb were telling the people about these incredible things like fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. Wow. 
A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper, copper out of the hills. It was an incredible thing and a stark contrast to what they were currently living in. I can imagine there was a hope for a better way of living. And in this passage, God gives the Israelites a vision for the future. Now, when I say vision, I'm talking about a future, a preferred future. He's talking to them about what is to come. And and I reckon that this what is to come was one of the reasons they got through the desert. It was one of the reasons that, that motivated them to keep on going day after day because one day, because one day God is going to give us this land. Today I want to talk to you on the topic on, of this, your next 40 years. Now you might think, 40 years? Wow, that's such a long way away. But at the age of 43, I go, 40 years, you know, I can sort of get a picture of that. But if you're young, you go, 40 years, what's that? So I want you to break it down. If you're 12, I want you to think your next three months. If you're 16, I want you to think your next six, six months. 14-year-old, think next six months. If you're a young adult, I want you to think one year or two years or three years ahead, yeah? Because that's all we can do when we're that. If you're in your 20s, early 30s, think 10 years, think 20. When you're 40, you can think 40 years ahead. What does 40 years ahead look like? Some of you guys don't exist in 40 years. How many people aren't here in 40 years? My mother put her hand up very high. A few others, maybe, yeah? My mum's 107 already, so in 40 years' time... That's how long as she's not really, she's 70-something, I don't know, something, 76, 77, something like that, I don't know. I want to talk to you about your next 40 years. And, and, and the reason I say that is because today, believe it or not, you stand on the edge of the next three months, the next six months, the next one year, the next three years, the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 40. And you can put whatever time limit in there. Today, you stand on the edge of that. And today, you can make choices that will hugely determine what your next 3, 6, 10, 40 years look like. You can get a vision for your life. When I say vision, it's a preferred future. You can dream about what is my next season going to look like. And that's so important. And I'm going to talk about why it's important. Because you don't have to keep living like you are today. They say the the thing about insanity, what's the expression? I don't know. That's it. If you keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result, the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. If you're happy with how life is going, we'll keep doing the same things. But if there's areas where you want to change, we'll stop today. Use today. And as you go home today to go, you know what, I'm going to stop again and I'm going to think, I'm going to dream, I'm going to pray and say, God, I'm looking for something better. I desire a better way of living. What could it be? What could it be? You can leave a legacy. You can do stuff that influences generations to come. You can put a mark on the world, on the people around you. You can influence them, and you are already influencing them, but you can influence them greater for God's kingdom and for his purpose. Now, you can't control everything that happens to you in the future because sometimes stuff happens. People get hit by buses. Circumstance happens like we can't control that. But there's lots of stuff that we can control. There's lots of choices that we can make that we can see fulfilled. I want to talk to you about this idea of a preferred future. But let me start by telling you why is is a vision important? Why is you dreaming important? I, I want to give you three things. The first thing is because you work out what's important. When you stop, if you go home today and you stop and you sit down with a notebook and a pen and you pray and say, God... 
I want to get a plan for my life, a vision for my life. What is it? You know what happens? You quickly work out what's important. I've been reading um, Deuteronomy um, when, as, in preparation for these messages in this series. And, and, a, and a couple of months back, I was sitting and I was praying. And, and this whole idea of the, the, the 40 years in the desert stood out to me. And the whole idea of what does my next 40 years look like stood out to me, out of, came out of my quiet time. I regularly preach out of my quiet times. And, and, I, and I started to think about the next 40 years of my life and uh, what I would like. I would love to go to the Great Barrier Reef. Has anyone ever been to the Great Barrier Reef? Well, I'd love to go to the Great Barrier Reef and snorkel and see that coral and the fishies. I'd love that. I'd love to get a, a land cruiser and a big caravan and do like a year trip like Rachel's doing. Awesome. Um, and, and do that Australia round thing. Anyone else want to do that? I would love to go to every beach on the New South Wales coast, coast yeah? Go to every beach and body surf in every beach. That, that'll, be, that'll be some really, really good things and exciting things. But as I was thinking about these things, I went, you know what, they're not really that important. They're nice. It's something to dream about, but they're really not important. Because when I started to think about, well, what does my next 40 years look like? And I started to think about, well, God's going to hold me accountable one day for how I live this life. Well, what's really, really important? And I got down to two parts. Number one is me and, me and God. I want to live a life that pleases him and, and, and honors him with my life. That's the first piece. And I worked out what's the other most important piece is to help others do the same thing, to help others live a life that, that, that honors him and pleases him. At the very foundation as Christians, that's what we should be about. Us honoring, loving him with all of our lives, Loving others and helping them honor him with all their lives. And so I then wrote down some thoughts and, and, I, and I think my main thing in life, is to, and I got it down to a sentence, is to see people thrive. See people thrive. Me thriving, everyone thriving, and we do that in a relationship with God. So as you go home, as you think about what does your future look like, what is, what is the vision, your preferred future for your life, by doing that, you actually cut off all the stuff, of, of things that aren't that important, and, and, and you really single it down to a few things that are really important, and then you can go after them. That's the first thing. The second thing, why is vision important? It gets you through today. It gets you through today. Those Israelites in that desert eating sand, getting sand in their undies every day, they're thinking of what's next. They're thinking of what's next, and I reckon that was a motivator for them, a motivator for them to keep going. And we all go through difficult seasons. And it can be that vision, that thing that we're desiring can actually help us do the things we need today to, to, to do today to get through. I want to give you two examples. The first one's very light. It's my story. And the second one's really heavy. It's not my story. When I, um, at the end of high school, I wanted to be a high school music teacher. I worked that out. So I said, what do I need to do to become a high school music teacher? And it turns out you have to go to university and study. Oh, here we go. So I went to university and I did a Bachelor of Music, Bachelor of Education, and I did not like university one bit. It was like this fake lifestyle. If you go to this place, you hang out with these people, then you go back to the real world and your part-time jobs and your families and stuff. I didn't like the culture. I know lots of people love uni, but it, I just didn't like it. It wasn't for me. But what got me through uni was the fact that I had this dream, this vision of becoming a high school music teacher, and this was needed to get through it. Hence, a vision helps you get through today. First example. The second example is much more deeper. There's a scripture in um, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and I've given you two versions from the New American Standard Bible and then the King James Version. 
the, the New American Standard Bible calls it, um, describes it like this. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. The King James Version uses, these, uses this language. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Without a vision, you can get stuck in today. And you can get stuck in all the issues of today and the problems of today and get so focused on your own stuff, you can go into this dark cloud and you can't see a way out. Um, when I was 18, one of my closest friends rang me up one night to say, um, Nathan, can you pray for my dad? Um, he's, he's gone missing. Um, okay. Um, I ran back the next day, dad's still missing, and the family's really worried about him. It's out of, out of character. And three days later, they found him. Um, he'd taken his life in the, in, in the national park um, around here somewhere. He left, behind, he left behind a wife and three teenage kids. And he left behind a note, and the note said, um, goodbye, um, I felt like no one loved me, and there is no hope for my life, something like that. And, as, and that's the reason he took his life. He could not see a future. He was so clouded by his own stuff that he didn't actually see that people did love him. He did, people, didn't care, people did care about him. But he couldn't see it. And as a result, he perished. Getting a vision for your life gets you through today. It helps you continue to look forward. The third point here is this. Why is the vision important? It sets direction for today. It sets direction for today. When you know where you're headed, where you know where the end goal is, where you know where you want to be, well, then today you make choices aligned with that. If you want to become a high school music teacher, well, you need to go to university and you need to study. If you want to, have, if you want to be a um, self-funded retiree, well, you need to think about investing your money now. If you want to save up for a home one day, young people... Um, if you want to get a home, you need to start saving that deposit from today and getting part-time jobs while you're studying and starting to build that because you're doing things today for that future. When you go on holidays, you don't just think, we're going to go on holidays today, let's go. No, there's a heap of steps before that. You just don't reach the destination. There is this booking accommodation. There's getting the boat out and getting the wheel bearings greased up so your tires don't, your wheels don't fall off when you're taking that boat up the M1 expressway. You've got to get your fishing rules out and the inox, and you've got to make sure they're sprayed and lubricated. All the fishermen? No, just me. Um, <laughs> you need to think about where we're going to go, what are we going to see. There's, there's, there's planning involved. You have a vision of going on a holiday where there's steps. And having a vision for your life is important because it tells you what you're going to do today in order so that you can achieve that thing in the future. That's why vision's important. Now, let me take you to... What does your vision look like for your life? When you go home today, what sort of things are going to be written on your bit of paper in your journal around your future? I want to give you three. What does your future look like? And I know part of it. I can tell you what your future looks like because they start with the promises of God. You know, if uh, you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, (laughs) God has given you many promises, and we've talked about this over a number of weeks, a number of weeks in this Deuteronomy series as we talked around hope. And that the hope, the hope that we have is connected with the promises of God, because when we put our faith in him, then God gives us this, all his promises. And because they're promises, they are realities for today, but they're also realities for our future. So let me give you the promises of God. You've seen this before. Here they are again. That God is never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's going to provide for your needs. 
God is going to provide for your needs. God is going to provide for your needs, friends, that is in the future. That as you're planning your future, God is going to provide for your needs. Not necessarily your wants. If you want a Lamborghini, not sure about that, but he will, but he will provide for your needs. He promises forgiveness of sin, that he's no longer angry with you, that you're accepted by God, loved by God, you're part of his family. They go on to talk about you have eternal life that is in your future, that God is going to comfort you in all your troubles. You will have difficulty in life and God is there to comfort you, that he's working everything together for the good of those who love him, that all the stuff that you go through, God is working it together for good. He's transforming you. Those watching online, those watching at Preston's, if you're a Christian, God is transforming you by his spirit to be like his son. And God has good works for you to do. They're the things that are locked in. They are in your future. And they need to be thought of when you're thinking about your future. The second thing about your future, the second thing I know about your future is this, is God's will for your life. You know, as a pastor, people come to me and say, Nathan, I'm trying to work out that thing. What's that thing that God has called me to? And, 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 and I say to them, look, People get so focused on that thing where they, where they miss so much of what God has already said because the reality is 90% of what God wants you to do with your life, he's already told you about. Let me tell you about what these things are. If you're a husband, love your wife. If you're a wife, love your husband. If you're a husband, lay down your life for your wife. If you're a parent, raise your kids in the way of the Lord. If you're an adult, work with your hands. Provide for your family. Give your tithe to God's church. Be in community. Love God. Love others. The Bible's clear that he wants you to forgive. He wants you to be generous with your resources. He wants you to know him, know his word. He wants you to share your faith. He wants you to shine the light of Jesus with the world. He wants you to pray for those in authority. He wants you to submit to your leaders, use your gifts, meet with other Christians and worship him. Now, that is so much of what God has already given us. He's already spoken to us. So reality is 90% of our life, I think, I'm choosing 80%, 90%, somewhere there, it's already decided. So when you sit down with God and you go, what is your purpose for my life, God? We need to include his promises and we've got to look at his word and say, this is your will for my life, God. How does that fit into where I'm going? And the final one is this, your desire. And I've deliberately put these in order, one, two, three, because they're in order of importance. Number one, when you're thinking about your future, are the promises of God. That is first and that is foremost. Because that gives you security, that gives you clarity around your identity. The second thing is around God's will for your life. Well, I've just given you the list. How am I going to love my wife? How am I going to raise my kids? How am I going to provide for my family? How do I love others? How do I forgive? That needs to be all in there. That's second. And third comes down to your your desire. And hear hear this carefully. Your desire is really about where do I do the things God wants me to do, his will, and with whom? Where do I do it? In this business, as a, as a business owner, working as an employee, serving, where do I do it? And with whom? Which church? Which community group? Which group of friends? And, and sometimes God speaks to you specifically about that. But in other cases, I don't think God really cares too much. I don't think he cares too much about where you work or, or where you live or who, or who you hang out with. Sometimes he says, I want you to buy that house, very clearly. Other times he says, I don't really care too much. As long as you're doing my will, you're loving me, you're loving others, you're loving your wife, you're loving your kids, do those things. Is that all right? So what does your future look like? The promises of God, God's will for your life, and you can have your desire. And I love this scripture, Psalm 34. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, the more time you spend with God, the more you catch who he is, the more the Spirit of God's working in your life and the more transformed you are. And the more transformed you are, the more you start to think and act like God thinks. 
you hear that? The more transformed you are, the more you start to think and act like God thinks. And as you start to act and think like God thinks, you're going to start making choices that he wants. No wonder he's going to give you the desires of your heart because they're the desires of his heart. It's a beautiful piece. Get close to God and he will lead you, he will change you, he'll move you. So, they're the three things. As we come to the close of this message today, as we come to the end and we're going to head out to, um, for those here at Padstow, um, we're going to head out to First Steps today. Um, there's, there's, there's morning tea after service based here at Padstow and also at Preston's. And if you're online, there's going to be some reflection questions for you. Um, as, we, as we come to the end of this message, my, my our challenge for you today is this. To spend some time with the Lord this week, next fortnight, today's best because you're going to measurably forget about it. In the next month and say, okay, God, what's your vision for my life? Start with his promises. Find out he's really feeling me to give you what I've, written, what I've mentioned there. I can give that to you. And then write down your desires because he wants to give you the desire of your heart. And then don't just think about your life in, in a one sentence. So for my, I've worked out the vision of my life and they, and, and, and they say, the, the, the researchers say that it takes you to about, to about the age 35. Once you're about 35, then you actually work out pretty much who you are and, and, and what you're good at and what you're about. That's what they say. And that's pretty true for me. At the age of 43, I pretty much know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And they've got a big list of them. And my, my uh, sentence for my life is to see people thrive. That's what I want. I want to see people thrive. thrive. I want to see you thrive. I want to see those watching on the screen thriving. But then the other thing I did, when I, I, had, a, I had a mentor for a season who took me through a, a personal development plan. And what he did, he said... I want you to break your life down into different areas. Your marriage, your kids, your finances, your fitness and your health. Then your work. You as a leader, you as a pastor, you as a preacher, the different areas of the ministry, and then come up with a vision for each one of those things. Come up with a goal, come up with a strategy about how you're going to fulfill them. See, you just don't have to get this one sentence that does your whole life. You can actually break your life down into different pieces. And now what I did, which helped me, is I gave it a score out of 10. So I wrote down, I want to have an 8 out of 10 relationship with Jesus consistently, an 8 out of 10. And then I wrote down what an 8 out of 10 looks like. You might say, why isn't it a 10 out of 10? Well, you have those mountaintop experiences, yes? Yeah? So let's come down to a bit of reality, and we'll go, and we'll go 8 out of 10. And so... I uh, then wrote down what an 8 out, of 10, 8 out of 10 relationship is, and that is daily Bible reading, daily prayer, having times of connection, praying with my wife. And I wrote down what an 8 out of 10 looks like. I wrote down goals around my fitness. I wrote down a weight that I want to be at. I wrote down how many push-ups that I want to do a day. <laughs> I know, push-ups. I wrote down how many, how many kilometers I want to run a week. I wrote down all these things so that, and then I look, look back every few months, not enough, but every three months I look back and go, okay, that one's doing really well. Not, not reaching that one. Another one for me is to be a self-funded retiree. So we're thinking about how we're going to invest, how we're going to think financially about our future. And you can break that down for your life, and that is my encouragement. So when you go home, spend some time today, this week, this month, and pray and say, God, I know your promises. What is your will, my desire? Write it all down and think about the different areas of life and set a vision, our future, and then go for it. And by doing that, you will live a much more effective life. You will use your time more, more efficiently. 
you will have a bigger impact on your generation and on the generations to come. Imagine if we all did that. Imagine if every single one of us was super deliberate about how we lived. Super deliberate about where we're going in our future. And then we put steps in place. And today we had that in our mind where we're going and we deliberately did stuff today to reach that goal. Imagine. Imagine the effectiveness of your life, of my life. Imagine the effectiveness of our church, those watching online, those at Preston's. Imagine the effectiveness of who we're at. We're going to close with a prayer. And I'm just going to ask the Lord to speak. You've heard all this stuff around vision. Maybe you're in a really, really difficult season right now. And like I said about those who feel trapped, and I talked about the person who took their life, if you're thinking around that, please talk to someone. There's helplines that you can call. We want to be a church that supports, so please reach out to someone who who knows you, who cares about you, because we want to do that journey with you. But if you're in a really difficult time, I want you to spend time in prayer now and say, God, speak to me. What have you got for me in my future? God, give me your vision. Show me. Show me the light at the end of the tunnel. But if you're doing really good in this season, I pray, in this season of prayer, say, God, what is it? What do you have for my life? Let's spend 30 seconds in prayer, hey? Let's reflect. Let's do that now. Father, we pray you come by your spirit now on each one who's watching, those at Preston, those online, those in the room. Father, come Holy Spirit right now. Come upon us. God has good plans for you, church. He's working everything together for the good of you. You are no longer under condemnation, but you've been accepted and you've been loved. But you are valued and you cared for. And God has a great future for you. Commit your way to him and he'll make your path straight. Father, I pray that you give each one a, a vision of their future whether it be three months, six months, one year, five years, ten years, forty years. They'll be deliberate about living a life that leaves a legacy, a life of influence, a life that impacts the generations to come, a life of love. We're us living on this earth that will have an imprint that lasts for generations because of our love for you and because of our love for others. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to say goodbye to those online. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.